him Brando as he grew up in Louisiana. Good morning, Timmy. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, fellas. Good morning. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So let's get a lay of the land in this uh, SEC with two teams in the top four. Your opinion? I know it's you're not shy about that. Are you good with what you see in the four in the playoffs so far? Yeah. Yeah, I, but I don't think that I, I don't think it's going to stay that way by a long shot. I think there's going to be a lot of movement. There always is. Uh, very rarely, if ever, do we see uh, anything resembling what the first uh, college football playoff standings were, or the second, for that matter, being what the final results are. And and I'll tell you, I think this is uh, shaping up as a year. And I'm not being specific to the SEC, but we can certainly lump the SEC into it because I think it's going to affect um, them quite a bit. I, I think we're going to see massive chaos between now and the end of the year. And we've already got some conferences, power conferences, that are stuck uh, with the potential of two loss champions. And um, I think Notre Dame's uh, biggest hurdles are right out in front of them right now, you know, in Miami this week. So, Something's going to shake there, and the p- potential of there being a two-loss uh, champion in the um, uh, the, the Pac-12 is, uh, is very real. I've got USC on Saturday, and if they if they win that game at Colorado, they're going to sew up the South, and they they've got two losses, and and uh, and Washington uh, still has to play Stanford on Friday. Uh, which, by the way, is on FS1. It's a really late game, Pac-12 after dark. But but that's a that's a perilous game for Washington. So the, the, the Pac-12 is looking at a two-loss champion. Uh, the Big 12, unless TCU can run the table, they're looking at a two-loss champion. And uh, the Big 10 is certainly, if, if Wisconsin doesn't run the table, looking at a two-loss champion. And I don't think many people think Wisconsin is going to run the table. So we've going to have. I think we're going to have just a massive. Uh, issue for the college football playoff committee in trying to uh, determine, you know, really who fits into positions three and four uh, as we get closer. Now, look, Alabama is, is <laughs> if you don't think they're vulnerable, then you, you don't have eyes. Now, when I say vulnerable, I mean to, to, to win out. I don't think there's any chance that, uh, that right now Alabama wouldn't make the final four, even with a loss. I think they would, but, <laughs> Look who they've got left to play. You know, Auburn is actually uh, sitting in, I think, probably the best spot of the teams outside the top four because they get Georgia and Alabama at Jordan-Hare. I mean, what more do you want if you want to skyrocket uh, in the in the bowl championship, uh, the, 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 the college football championship standings? But they have two losses. You know, what if they were to win out? So the possibilities here are limitless for chaos. And when you look at the college football playoff now, of course, you documented it every single morning on your radio show, Tim, about, you know, the chaos and the BCS and all that kind of fun stuff. But are, are we better yeah. Are we better off today having the college football playoff and the selection committee as opposed to what we had in the old days of the BCS? Oh, yeah. It's better than it used to be. But that doesn't mean that it's not without flaws right. or that the committee is in a position that is no win. Because I, I think they are. I mean, last year they were very fortunate that uh, Penn State, after winning the Big Ten championship and being left out in favor of Ohio State, solely on strength of schedule. You know, Ohio State had that win against Oklahoma in a tip pocket, and that was their trump card to get in. 
you know, the, the playoff over, over Penn State, who had beaten them head-to-head and who had gone on to win the Big Ten championship. If Penn State had beaten USC, if they had held on to that lead in the Rose Bowl that they had, they would have been tarred and feathered for allowing Ohio State to go in over them and, and Penn State a champion that went on to win impressively against USC. As it turned out, as we know, uh, Sam Darnold had a miraculous second half, led the Trojans to a come-from-behind win, and, and so all is forgotten. But if that, had, if that had gone the other way, then I think they would have been lampooned. Uh, they, they are, I think, in, in, in the same situation, same scenario this year, only with different teams. Okay, there's a very good chance that a conference champion uh, in any one of those conferences I just mentioned uh, could be left out over a team that maybe has a better strength of schedule. Uh, you know, Oklahoma is sort of in a reverse role from the one they were in last year with Ohio State. Oklahoma is where they are on the precipice of getting in more because of what they did to Ohio State early to here than anything else. That's it, it's just it's the reason why Georgia's number one, fellas. Georgia's number one because Notre Dame kept winning after they beat them by one point a few weeks ago. All right, so that that's the strength of the uh, of the strength of schedule and the role that it plays with the committee. I think the committee is uh, is doing the best that they can, but I also believe that they are heavily impacted by brands there are a lot of old coaches on this committee uh that really uh, are affected by name brands you know and and there's nothing listen they have great integrity i respect frank beamer who's come on and you know all the other coaches that are part of the committee sure but i also know where they come from and and i also know that their their instincts are to always go with those big names with those teams that look really good in the warm-ups that have always impressed them you know, before games, coaches love to talk about, man, those are real men over there. You know, well, those coaches are now in the committee. <laughs> and and I think there's a style of football and a, a name brand of football that always impacts them. Tim Brenda, our guest, Fox Sports, um, as we're talking about some of the college football playoff uh, kind of things. Is Washington, because uh, we've, we've gotten this talk that Washington may be one of the latter ones looking in. You're covering the West a lot. What your your thoughts on them? Because they were in last year. They're having a great year this year. But I hear "but" all the time when describing Washington. Well, I mean, they have a bad non-conference schedule. It's not always just their fault, but it is the second straight year that they've had a, a bad non-conference schedule. And the loss that they had looked ugly. Uh, it, it wasn't a pretty one. Just as Washington State's wasn't pretty either. Um, but but I was ripped. I was amazed that USC was number eleven, and I, now, and granted it serves me well because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got USC in Colorado uh, uh, this this Saturday. I'm leaving for uh, for Boulder as soon as I get off the phone with you guys. And but but USC is a brand name. I mean they moved up like six spots in one week's time. Um, you know after beating Arizona. Now Arizona is having a whale of a year. Rich Rod's team has Khalil Tate, a, a Heisman candidate, and they had won, I think, six in a row, and were looking really good until USC derailed them. So, but were they worthy of going up six spots over that? I, I don't know. And, and Washington's ahead of them, and in a better position than I thought that they'd be in. Actually, Washington would have been, I think, in a far greater position if Stanford hadn't lost to Washington State last week. You know, Stanford's got three L's now, so they could have used that. Uh, in my opinion, they could have used the Stanford win last last week. But that didn't happen. But that said, though, 
Washington with only the one loss, if enough if enough of these teams lose that I'm suggesting can lose, and we've got all these two loss champions out there, let's say Washington ro- rolls the table in, in the Pac-12, wins out, wins the Apple Cup, which Washington State's only got the one loss as well as Washington. If, and, then, and then if they beat USC, uh, a USC team that, as I said, has a great brand uh, and would be a, a two-loss team that played a tough schedule you know the one blowout loss would have been at Notre Dame uh and Notre Dame is looking good then then suddenly you know maybe Washington's got a a real shot to get into that four hole as they did a year ago but they need help you know but what I'm suggesting to you is helps on the way because none of these teams are as invincible as people think uh you know and as I said look at look at the road ahead for uh, for Alabama, as great as they've been, look at what they've. Been. These are the toughest games that they've got in front of them. Georgia, similar story. Uh, are there chances for defeats there? Absolutely, there are. Uh, and and who can, who has the sweat equity and the reputation that that they can, you know, withstand a, a, a late season wart and still make make the, the top four? I don't think there's anything more equipped to do that than Alabama. Uh, and frankly, Georgia too, because of, uh, of who they played non-conference. If Notre Dame loses this week, all right, and I think they will to Miami. Uh, Notre Dame may be the better team, but the game is at home, and I think Mark Rick's club is playing with a boulder on its shoulder. If Georgia loses Notre Dame as a one-loss team, then their strength of schedule is going to take a hit, and they won't be as 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 strong a number one, or even you know as, as strong a number two if they were to lose to Auburn as some might think. So they could fall a bit more uh, precipitously if we saw Notre Dame lose this week and Georgia lose to Auburn this week. Uh, and a lot of fans might say, well, you're out of your mind. But, but it's true. But using the criteria that the, that the committee is using, uh, those, the record of your opponents and opponents' opponents really does matter. And Georgia really has to be a Notre Dame fan, I think, right now. No doubt about it. Tim, you've been able to do Pac-12, Big Ten, Big 12 games this season. Is there one particular team that you might have seen in person that maybe they don't get as much love nationally that you said, you know what, this is a very good football team, and if and if they're in a position maybe down the stretch, they could really make some noise and maybe even make it into the college football playoff. Is there one particular team that you've seen that you might feel that way? Yeah, I would have said, Pat, this this would have been TCU were it not for them going all the way to number six this week. Right. You know, I uh, I, I thought uh, – now, granted, I, I saw them against Kansas. It was a it was another dubious distinction for me, the lowest-rated primetime college football game <laughs> on an over-the-air network in the history of college football. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, Did oh, not yeah, know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, a, that's the answer to another Jeopardy question. Name <laughs> the announcer on the game that got the least ratings in primetime <laughs> on a major network. It was opposite. It was opposite Notre Dame, USC, and Ohio State, um, Penn State. So yeah, oh, no, we had, yeah, we had some, do it. We had some pretty strong competition. You did. Somebody had to be the sacrificial lamb. Sure. It was Spencer and me. Yeah. Uh, and Coach Miles, at Les was with us on that game. Um, but but TCU's legitimate. Uh, defensively, they are m- much better uh, than than a lot of people think. And I the, the the Big Twelve has such a reputation for being pass happy with no defense that I don't think they get nearly the credit they deserve for the way they play defense. Their one loss at Iowa State was an anomaly because they turned the ball over in the second half twice inside the 10-yard line. Kenny Hill has really come of age, the transfer from A&M, 
They've got three great running backs. Uh, their their wide receiving core is solid. I mean, really solid with speed. Uh, and the and the LSU transfer DRS is a big time, uh, strong physical talent that they can turn to. And and I think offensively they're they're really good. Sonny Cumbie's done a great job with them. But defensively, Gary Patterson's turned that thing around just as he did in 2014. After they went four and eight this year, they're coming off five and seven. Uh, or six and seven, I think, uh, with the bowl game that they were in. So, you know, now he's got them on the precipice of being a, a, a Big 12 champion and a, a college football playoff team. I, I personally think they've got a great shot at pulling the upset on the road in Norman this week. That's the game that follows us in primetime on Fox this week. And mm-hmm. that that's, to me, the most impactful game of the weekend, other than Notre Dame-Miami, uh, is is that game between, between TCU and Oklahoma. But it just seems that every time we begin canonizing players after strong performances. And look, Baker Mayfield is my number one for the Heisman right now. I think he's deserved it, the way he's played in big games. And I don't think anybody means more to his team than Baker. But what were we saying about JT Barrett after that comeback against Penn State? And look what happened last week in East Lansing. Mm -hmm. It just seems this year, every time we canonize a player or a team, then the following week they they can't handle a full cup of success. And I think... Even with the game being in Norman, I think TCU's defense can really cause some problems for Oklahoma and at least limit some of the big plays that, that Baker is able to create on his own. Uh, it's just a hunch, but I think it's a pretty good hunch. That That's the best team I think most of America outside the uh, SEC footprint particularly uh, doesn't know uh, as much about as maybe they should. Tim Brando, our guest on the Birds Bar and Pizza Hotline, Artisan Pizza, Cole Pines there at the Lakeview District. With Griff and Pat Smith. Timmy, um, I, I'm not crazy about the committee's um, thought process on ranked teams from the standpoint of when Alabama played Florida State, that was a pretty good football team. And it was a slugfest, as you saw, and they won. Now their season's falling apart, and they want to judge back on two, three months ago. Do you agree with that? And, and then now they're talking about, well, if Michigan comes into the top 25, that win looks good for this team you know, even though they weren't when they played them. It's just kind of bizarre to me. Well, it's the evolution of the game. But but I would also tell you, years ago, fellas, I said this, and and a lot of football fans didn't get it. I said the criteria and that they're utilizing, all the information that they're utilizing. There's a lot more opinion, football opinion in that room than we have basketball opinion for the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. But – the data that they're using is very similar to what they use for the NCAA tournament. Uh, if a team you played was ranked early and suddenly their season goes south, yeah, they may take into account that DeAndre Francois got hurt, but after a while, you know, there's more, there, there's more trouble with Florida state than people realize more right. than just DeAndre Francois was the problem. Right. So again, it's not Alabama's fault that Florida state's no longer, uh, deemed a, a great opponent uh, in the in the criteria that we're talking about, but it, it's fact. I mean, there's just there's no getting around it, uh, and, and that's really the difference between Georgia being where they are and Alabama being where they are. It's all about you know if Notre Dame were having the kind of season I think we all expected, then then Georgia wouldn't have been propelled the way they were. But but the Irish have, to their credit, uh, gotten the job done and. Look, it doesn't help Alabama that up until last week, every time they suited it up and went on CBS, they were blowing somebody out. 
I mean, look at the cumulative score of the teams they played uh, in that 330 window before last week's LSU game, and the conference just looks awful. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. the, 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 the SEC is, is, is being bailed out from a public relations standpoint because Georgia's having the year they're having. So everybody can talk about, hey, they're one and two, and if you throw Auburn in, there's three teams in the top ten. Yeah, but the rest of the league looks mediocre to below average. I mean, it just does. And um, uh, I remember in the years that I was at CBS, uh, it had nothing to do with my being there, but in the years I was there, it seemed like college game day was going to every CBS game that was on at 3.30. Yep. Well, now they're going to games on FS1 and Fox. <laughs> so I think the reason for that is that there's been so many blowouts in that window. And um, I, I could feel last week, I look back at the DVR of the LSU-Alabama game, I could feel uh, you know that, that Brad Nessler and, and, and Gary Danielson were like, oh, it looks like we might actually have a game here. Yeah. You could almost feel it in their voices. Uh, because I, I think there was surprise. There's always surprise, uh, it seems, that if Alabama is being contested. You know, I, I looked at the game. I never felt LSU had a chance to win the game, but I did feel like LSU was a play or two away from making it a game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I think I think that those guys, because I know them, and I'm I'm also a broadcaster. When you go in with an idea that the game is well, we've done how many blowouts in a row now? Okay, mm-hmm. well this one looks like we might actually have a good one. So you could almost hear it in their voices too. But but I think that. Um, the way that's gone up until now is probably going to change because of who Alabama's got to play the rest of the way. Uh, this game with Mississippi State, I think, is a bad matchup for Mississippi State, even though the quarterback is really good and can run it. So was Dak, and he didn't have any success. Uh, Mississippi State's passing game is 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 not as strong, and, and that's what you need to beat Alabama. I mean, there were open receivers for Danny Etling, open receivers that he either missed well, when he got the ball to them, they dropped the ball. Uh, you got to have a really good quarterback that's really hot and really good receivers and be willing to challenge the Alabama secondary uh, to beat them. That, that fact hasn't changed in the last 10 years, and, and I just don't think Mississippi State can do that. But Auburn, that's a different story. Georgia, that's a different story. Uh, I think that those teams can be real challenging for, for the Crimson Tide. And finally, Tim, I wanted to ask you about one of your booth mates sometimes during the season, and that's Coach Les Miles. I thought he's he's uh-huh. done a, he's done a great job with you and Spencer, and, and the way that you guys have melted together. But I wanted to ask you about Corvallis, Oregon. His name has been uh, brought up in the last twenty four hours as potentially he would be interested in that job at Oregon State. I'm not so much asking you if you think he would be if he would take the job if offered, but just overall, do you think Coach is in a, is in a good place? Where he is right now, doing the the projects that he's doing, or do you see him back on the sideline in the future? Yeah, no, he wants to coach. I mean, one of the reasons why I think his agent was pretty smart uh, and made sure that uh, the TV deals that he made were not exclusive. I mean, I, I joked the other day when I saw him on CBS. We were going to Michigan. We were in Michigan opposite the Alabama LSU game mm-hmm. the other night. By the way, that game did a good rating. <laughs> it didn't do. It wasn't the worst primetime game in the history of sports television. <laughs> Michigan draws a pretty good crowd, even if the game isn't competitive, and sure. they beat uh, Minnesota handily. But uh, we were kind of hoping, because he's a Michigan guy, that uh, if we did do a game in Ann Arbor, that we'd be able to get him. Well, that was the same day as the LSU-Alabama game, and CBS uh, wisely uh, 
uh, went to him because New Heisel was going to be out calling the Georgia game to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Smart move. But I think what what his agent did was he he handpicked some uh, some opportunities for him on ESPN to start the season on Fox in the middle of the season and with CBS. I, I joked on Twitter he's less than one year has worked for three networks. It took me an entire career to work for three networks. <laughs> uh, so so good. Good for him, but I think the idea all along was to keep him relevant mm-hmm. and to keep him highly exposed, so that his name would would float a little bit more. And it's not surprising to me that that's the case. Um, I think a job uh, in a Power Five uh, and in a in, in an area where uh, maybe a, a team uh, is really looking to stabilize itself, solidify itself, and, and certainly Oregon State is is you know hit the mat. I mean, they really have. What happened with Gary Anderson was just a complete dumpster fire. Uh, he would have a chance, I think, to really turn that thing around. I know he wants to coach. He's he's gotten himself in tremendous shape. He's become a vegetarian. Uh, his daughter Smacker worked really hard on on getting him to stay in shape while he was on TV and uh, and make himself more viable. I, he wants to coach now, whether it's in Corvallis or someplace else. I actually think he makes a lot of sense in a lot of different places. Um, and it's amazing what being out of coaching can do when all these other places are blowing up the next year and people are saying, you know what, that guy wasn't too bad, you know. And uh, and I think Les probably, if he didn't learn his lesson uh, in his last uh, four or five games at LSU last year, he has now. So uh, the idea that he would just go in and run I-formation stuff and power football, uh, I think he's learned that uh, you, you gotta you got to change with the times. And he knows he's got to do that. And there are so many other areas where he is an asset. You know, players love him. They love playing for him. Uh, building a team and assembling a staff I don't think would be a problem at all. Uh, I see him coaching again. I really do.